0: The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning. So this Christmas season is uh, really, really, arriving, right, we had all four candles lit, and if you want to see the fifth candle lit, we have a a Christmas Eve service in a couple days, so um, we'll talk about that some, but we'd love to have you on Christmas Eve, if you'd like, as we celebrate the the season on that evening. Let me pray for us as we get into the passage today, we'll be in Philippians 2, but let me pray for this time as the Holy Spirit um, works in our lives, that He will change us so we can uh, live out these truths that we read in His Word, Father. We we come to you today. We um, we humbly come to you today, knowing that you are a wonderful, glorious God who's done so much. Uh, has a heart for your people, has a heart for creation, and um, you have sent Jesus. And Jesus, you lived a wonderful life, a life that was true uh, to the to the requests of the Father, and showed us how to live. And then. Jesus, you have given us a new life through the cross, and we thank you for that. And Holy Spirit, as you have opened up our hearts to knowing these truths, uh, we ask today that, Spirit, you would guide us um, in whatever uh, your word would teach us today in our, in our lives, for our families and for our neighbors, that you would send us out for your glory so the world will know who you are. It's in your name. Amen. So my aim today, as we talk about love, as you heard um, Tom, the Tracys, you know, to share with us about this beginning of uh, Advent number four, the fourth week in Advent, uh, lighting all four candles. Uh, Linda, Tom, thank you so much for, for serving in that way today. Um, my hope and my aim is that um, you will see how when Jesus arrived from heaven to the womb of Mary, that Love in the flesh had arrived, and wherever he arrived, love arrived. arrived. Wherever Jesus went, and when a true follower of Jesus arrives anywhere, love arrives. So let's read from Philippians 2, 1 through 8 this morning um, together. Philippians 2, 1 through 8. even death on a cross. So my two points for today will be uh, love begins with God and love overflows to others. And we're going to see this from this passage. But I want to begin by helping us understand this primar- this, 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 um, this affection that kind of starts it all off. When you think of relationships with people, you think about God's relationship with us, there's this affection called love this characteristic called love that is primary, right? So, um, as I was thinking how to best understand love, um, I decided not to listen to the three million songs on Spotify, right? There's lots of songs about love. Almost all of them are. Um, But I I began to think of uh, uh, the relationship between parent and child. So picture you and your child uh, at odds with, with one another. And I know not everyone in the room is a parent, but you were a child and you see children and you see parents, right? So this hopefully will make sense to you. And as your child regularly is disrespectful, selfish, rebellious, sins against you, is rarely grateful. Now this isn't your teenagers. This is a two-year-old, okay? Everybody get this in mind, okay? Get this in mind, okay? This is your two-year-old, okay? This is your little toddler, right? right, right? So you're at odds with this young child, and it's kind of a complicated relationship. I'm going I'm to throw something complicated in here. The situation that's about to happen where you must risk your life to save this two-year-old. Maybe it's due to disease, that they need one of your organs, or a car is about to hit them, and you're going to run out there and save them, or there's a wild animal, and here you are to help, to risk your life. And the specifics don't matter, right? But there's a decision that you have to make. Do you help this defiant child or not? What motivates right now in your mind? What, in your mind, what motivates you to make the decision that you made? Is it, is it the cultural around you? Uh, were you contemplating what your friends might think if you don't? help your child in that situation? Or were you thinking about how awesome your neighbors would think about you if you chose that you would help them? So what motivates us as parents to give or sacrifice or care for little ones that God gives us? So this motivation, I think there's something behind it, this action, this choice of sacrificing no matter what, no matter how they're acting, no matter what they're doing, and i think it's one of the closest ways that we can best understand this primary affection called love so we see actions right we see love active like the generosity of time or or money right? We see love played out that way, or the constant care within a friendship could be a a friend uh, uh, that's really close to you, or a friend that you want to be close to you, or a friend that you want to become more than a friend. You know, there's all kinds of ways that we show love, right? And even in the hard times, that consistency of care. And if we hold the audience we would have hundreds of ways that we see love but it starts somewhere there's something inside that starts those actions and it is genuine sacrificial care and hopes that another person would be satisfied or content or healthy or emotionally well and it's like the example of the parent and the toddler no matter how mean That child, that two-year-old is, or how many times they swing to SWAT to test the relationship and the authority, uh, your face, right? The parent knows what the child needs. And even in those times during the temper tantrum, that parent will show their love towards their child. And this feeling that we have in our families, you know, to care for like a young baby or even when there's, Nothing that this small little person could even give back to us. It's love. Right? There's no strings attached. It's something that's built inside us as people for young kids. And when it doesn't happen in our world, because we know there's stories where it doesn't happen, we see that that's broken. We say like, okay, that's wrong. And we don't vote on it. Just, we know that it's wrong to leave a child unattended and uncared for, right? We are all God's children. And just like God to us, I want to share that there's this contrast. There is this contrast, as I was trying to think of a good analogy today, between us and an all-powerful, all-knowing God, an always existing creator that's infinitely greater than us. Not toddlers, not young, naive kids. God is the giver of life and breath, and what he wants is for you to be his child and not just a just like just a child that sits there at his feet but a child that's satisfied and happy that they're a part of his life and he is a part of yours and this love that God has for us it's so great because the contrast is so unbelievable we have a disease in our bodies that needs to be cured there's something this this parent needed to do something because there was something that was killing us. And that part of the condition, this disease makes us act in horrible ways towards our creator, to others, and to ourselves. As people, this is a Merry Christmas sentence, we are rebellious, right? We are ungrateful. We are prideful. We do seek our own. We are very similar to the two-year-old. And God saw this need, right? This disease inside us that was causing us not to want to be with him, but to focus on number one in our minds, number one in our hearts. And when he steps in, it's because of a primary affection that he has for us called love. It was like he must do something about this disease because his kids were sick. Something must be done. He cares and has this posture of love towards his creation. And I believe as parents, we get a taste of this, right? We get a taste of this towards our own children because we are made in the image of God. And God doesn't just love unaware, cute, naive, some may say innocent, right, two-year-olds, he actually loves us all in our current state of consciousness and awareness of that what we actually do we know is disobedient to God, and he still loves us, and to be honest, a two-year-old is much closer to his parents' character than we are will ever be compared to this God. We are more selfish, more ignorant than anything that I could come up with this morning. But you get the idea that God loves his kids in this very needy state. A couple passages, Romans 5, 6, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Picture a self-righteous person. Though perhaps a good person, one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4.10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So point number one today. Love begins with God. And as I close the introduction, let's look at the second half of Philippians 2, starting with verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on the cross, right? So as we talk about love and the incarnation, this idea of God becoming man, this is what we're talking about. Christ emptying himself and moving from heaven to earth. God in the flesh. Because of his genuine care for his creation, his love for us, he left heaven, became a servant to die for sinners. So this Christmas, when we celebrate Christmas together this is why we celebrate it in your home with your family my hope is this is why we celebrate it it's about god's love for the world something that he is it's something that's inside him the same way that we I was sharing earlier about a parent and this toddler like how do you explain that but there's a fact that god is love and he has this for us something to celebrate Jesus, a human king who is also God, to form the kingdom of God through his own sacrifice. And my hope for you this Christmas is that you would accept this truth, that you would be reminded of the gospel as you think of the Lord and think of love and you think of what it means for a God to do what he had done for you. First, God, he made you. That's a start. God gave you life. Jesus is life. Look at you. You're here. You are still alive. He keeps you alive. God was the first one to love you. God was the first one to love you. Do you worship him knowing he was your first, the one to first love you? He's going to love you at your best and love you at your worst, which is perfect for the holidays. Because often we get to be both of those on the same day. Jesus knew you had a disease that needed to be taken care of. And he left the God palace. And where did he go to? A sacrificial lamb. That's a contrast He did it for our salvation. Will you worship Jesus this Christmas for the love that he has for you? Tell him you're grateful. Tell him that you're in awe that he would do that for you. And that may form gratefulness in your heart to recognize this kind of love. The presence of God, Emmanuel, is the pinnacle of the presentation of love. So love begins with God. That was our first point today. Point number 2 today, love overflows to others. I often will just des- will describe John Piper's definition of love, this overflow of joy in God that gladly meets the needs of others. This connection of God is first, we overflow that joy gratefulness, and we do that by loving others. So the beginning of Philippians is where we're going for that, Philippians 2. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what's Paul saying here? Well, because of the Christ's encouragement, because of love's comfort, because of the Spirit's participation, affection, and sympathy, Paul's saying, complete my joy. Like, understand this is where I want you to go. As followers of Jesus, so he gives three directives here. So let's break these down. In verse 2, he says, Have love like Jesus. So if we want to overflow love to others, we must begin with loving like Jesus. Be in unity with each other as you have unity with Jesus this core identity that I just shared that God has for us, we should have this core affection for another. It must begin with this. This basis of any love towards another person must begin with this genuine, I would give a kidney to you type love, even if I have one left, right? Is that the kind of love you have for other people? Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love your neighbor as you would love your two-year-old child. I would have to say that I have different grades of love for people, right? And he goes so far to say, love your enemies, right? So God has a way of loving enemies. Thank Jesus for that. That we are to follow that and then take that all the way down to our two-year-olds. Okay? So first have love like Jesus. Number two, or starting in verse three, have humility and consider others before yourself. One commentator said: humility begins with a realistic appraisal of oneself and others as the image of God. Humility begins a realistic appraisal of oneself and as others as being created in the image of God. We've been studying this since we studied Genesis together. Do you love others? And can you see people the way that God sees them, as his creation, um, his toddlers, if you will, and care for them in that way? It must begin with humility, understanding your own depravity, understanding your own need for a savior, understanding and remembering where you have come from. So the third thing is in verse four, care for others, right? Not just your own interests, but the interests of others. So do you love others with your thoughts? Are you thinking of others' needs with your thoughts? Are you you feeling with your heart? And are those feelings motivating you to do anything with your hands and feet and time and money? My hope is you're working on it, right? So, in review, this process of loving others comes from Jesus, right? In verse 2, he's the model of love. He's also the giver of the new heart that actually does love this way. You could be sitting here this morning going, "I have no idea what you're talking about. That sounds crazy." Right? And, and it does. But what if God could give you a new heart that loved people a certain way? The best analogy I have for this is: I hate pickles. I think pickles are poison. I think pickles would kill me if I actually ate one, right? They're horrible. But say I read a Bible verse, right? This magical Luke 71 verse shows up, right? And it's like, okay, you must love pickles. I'm like, I'm going to hell, you know? There's not a chance. There's not a chance. But what if the verse before it said, God will give you a new tongue? And I would be like, Jesus, give me a new tongue. Right. What if the Bible says love your enemies, and you're like, "I'm going to hell. I hate some people. Seriously, they've been mean to me." Right. But what if in the Bible you're reading Ezekiel and other passages say God will give you a new heart. He'll remove the heart of stone that doesn't like people and give you a heart that loves all people. You're like, "I need that." That's what we're talking about today. This is love in the incarnation. This kind of heart change. So first, have love like Jesus, and it comes from Jesus. Number two, then we must rightfully deal with our own pride. We must have humility. We must see why we are not loving other people. And for almost everybody in the room, it normally starts right here. It's because we're stuck on something. Unconfessed sin, right? We're at number one. We must lay our pride down to consider others. Then we can truly care for other people. Then I can freely say, put extra pickles on that Freddy's burger, please, right? But I'm never saying that, right? But what if it's like, God, give me hard people, Put some hard people in my life that other people aren't loving very good because I'm ready to do it. Are you ready to do that? My hope is that you would start with asking for a new heart, getting right with your own pride, and God using you for his glory. I want to say this. God-like love, this kind of love cannot be faked for very long. You will give up, right? You will tip your hand. You will be miserable. And I'm not talking about kind of like that momentary pain where you kind of get tired from doing hard things. Like you guys know what it means to do some hard things. Like like that's tiring sometimes. I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is for the one that's trying to fake God-like love day after, after day there will be an ongoing discontentment with serving with giving with being generous with with never getting enough thank yous for all this great things that you do this expectation of being joy-filled like Eric talked about last week or or when Joel talked about having true peace or living with hope day after day that will exhaust you And God-like love is impossible without Jesus. Jesus was really clear. He said, you will do nothing for the kingdom without me. And to be honest, God-like love, right, is tiring. But in John 15, Jesus says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will do great things. You will do great things for the kingdom. You will be revived. It's not us, but it's Christ working in us. I didn't have time to preach all of Philippians 2, though that would be a great day for all of us. But this is what it says after this passage in Philippians 2. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We get the joy for being used by God but he gets the glory for his love shining around us. So this Christmas, let's celebrate love on display. Love has come down to earth from heaven in the form of a babe. Love, this inner primary feeling that for God is constant. It doesn't go up and down. It's always at the top. It seeks out brokenness to bring healing and reconciliation wherever it goes. That's what it demonstrates. Love has arrived. That is Christmas. So this is our last Sunday service for 2019, right? And I want to remind you of our mission. Love God and our neighbors together. This is our church's mission, but my hope you understand that you and I are the church. There's not some other thing that's doing this. It's us, right? Trying to live out loving God and our neighbors together. So when you wake up and you begin each day, now stick with me here. (laughs) When I wrote it, I was like, whoa. I'm gonna say it though, okay? Stick with me here. When we wake up and begin each day and you enter a new room, Right Or this Christmas, you enter a new home or a new office or a new business. Can you experience this idea? Love has arrived. Can we do that? Can we do that this Christmas? If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been crucified with him and no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Love has arrived. All right? Nice to meet you. Love has arrived. Let's talk, right? I would encourage you not to say these things out loud. It sounds kind (laughs) of odd. But can you think love has arrived this Christmas? Where you go, Christ is there. You are loved by God, created in his image to display him to the world, so the world will have an opportunity to know love. That is why we're here this Christmas, and my hope is, is that you would enjoy that. That you would enjoy bringing love wherever you go. Remember your own identity as a satisfied child of God and how it's been formed in love and put on display through the incarnation. Jesus, God is human. Jesus' death on a cross. The power of Jesus in his resurrection And friends, we can freely love because we have been loved at a great cost. We can freely, freely love, not because it was free, but because we have been loved at a great cost. And this morning, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and put him on the throne of your life, then my hope is that you would start there this morning. And during communion, I'll stand over here by the number eight. And four, please come talk to me. I'd love to talk to any of you about what that would mean to start a relationship with Jesus. So as we grow in this truth together, I just want to give us just a few quick ways that we can develop our love for God and others. So I made a little slide here. So number one, to grow in your love for God, start your day with him. Pray, listen, read a verse or devotion. Set your mind to truth from the start of each day so that when you enter a room you can say in your heart, love has arrived. Secondly, spend time with others who love God. Build some friendships with people who you see the love of God in them. Read about wonderful, wonderful people in the scriptures and in biographies who have lived their lives to the fullest because of God's love for them. They went and loved some of the hardest people in the world and wonderful people have written about their lives. Get around people who love God. And thirdly, stop living in the darkness. Fight sin. Fight the areas where pride drown you don't do things that will make you have regrets, right? And disappoint God and disappoint yourself. Have appropriate remorse when they do happen though, right? Repent and believe and trust in the forgiveness of God. And start out with number one. Grow in your love for God this Christmas season. Secondly, your love for others. Pray, talk to the Lord, be reminded Before you go into a home or work or business and say, God, I want to bring love in this room. I want to bring love into this house. I want to bring love into this office space. Help me. Love's arrived. And see what the Holy Spirit would guide you to do in that. Two, consider how you can reorient how you view yourself and others how do you see yourself? How do you see others? Do you live a life of comparing on human standards or do you see people through God's eyes as his children? Then you can love everyone because they're your God's kids. Humble yourself. Thirdly, this is just a challenge. This Christmas season and even moving into 2020, love someone that is not gonna be able to pay you back. Do you have anybody in your life right now that's not part of your family or at least your nuclear family that you can show love to that is probably not going to love you back for a while? It's going to be one way love. Like God demonstrates his own love for us and this while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That kind of love. Who is God putting on your heart right now? that his love can be seen through your love for this person. So as we consider the Advent season, hope, peace, joy, love and in the incarnation, and this is the purpose as we close, that our loving and glorious God will be enjoyed, worshiped, and glorified. Let's finish the passage, Philippians nine. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we need you to give us hearts that love. God, thank you for being a God of love. You're the one true God and this attribute of love seems to be across every book that we read about you. Your scripture is this love letter to us about your pursuance and love of us so that your name will be glorified. Father, we thank you for using love as your method. May we use love as our method in reaching others for your glory. Father, we pray for the many this Christmas who do not know you, that are lost in the culture of Christmas, that they will find you as this world celebrates your coming. It's in your name. Amen.